Welcome to the Diverse Perspectives Podcast. I'm Angela Wong, Group President of Pfizer's Biopharmaceuticals Group. I've always been curious to learn from others, particularly those who think boldly and take action to create breakthroughs. So in each episode, I'll explore what motivates people to pioneer change and find out the lessons that they've learned along the way. I hope this podcast inspires and empowers you to make your own breakthroughs. Well, hello everyone. Today, we're going to talk about one of my all-time favorite subjects, which is about women in leadership. As many of you know, I am a big advocate for empowering women and minorities to thrive at work and advance to the highest levels professionally. And with International Women's Day around the corner, there's no better time to bring these topics back into focus. That's why I could not be more excited to welcome my guest for today, Carol Tomei. Carol is the CEO of UPS, the global shipping and logistics company that all of us know well. She took on this role in 2020, breaking barriers to become the first female CEO in UPS's 114-year history. Prior to joining UPS, Carol served as Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of the Home Depot, one of the world's largest retailers. And I've had the privilege of getting to know Carol through my work on the UPS Board of Directors. And I can say that Carol truly is one of the most extraordinary people I have ever met. She's a bold and visionary leader, and she brings energy, empathy, and a down-to-earth approach to how she works. I feel so lucky that I've been able to have a front row seat to seeing Carol in action and so grateful for the role model that she has been for me. So welcome, Carol, and thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, Angela, it's just such a treat for me to be here with you today, and thank you for asking me to join you in this fireside chat. Well, there is not a better time and a better person to have to really discuss the topics that we have today. So to start off with, I'd love it if you could give us the broad strokes of your path to becoming a CEO. Were there any specific experiences or aha moments that you look back on now as defining your path? Well, it's a bit of a story. If you don't mind me sharing, um, I will. As a girl, I never envisioned that I would be a CEO. In fact, I thought I would be a botanist and study plants and save the world, the planet from plant extinction. But things turned out differently and I'm so very glad that they did because I've had an amazing career. For most of my career, it was in finance. But as my career grew over time, I continued to put new tools in my personal toolkit and expanded my areas of responsibility. And I realized that I, I wasn't just about finance. I like to, to drive business and strategy and develop people. So I, I started to think about leading companies where I hadn't thought about that before. And if I go back to 2014 at the Home Depot, where you kindly mentioned, I was one of three people who were being considered as CEO. They were going through a CEO succession process. And on the day I was told I wasn't going to be that CEO, I was shattered because I thought I should have that role and I thought I would do a good job in that role. But the outgoing CEO gave me some very good advice. He said, Carol, you could be a CEO anywhere, but what I'd like you to think about is where you could have the most impact. Is that title important to me or is impact more important? And I thought about it for a long time and I said, impact is more important. 
So I stayed and together, Craig Manier, who was the CEO at the time, and I did some amazing things together. Fast forward to 2019, Craig and I were both the same age. and We're like, we can't retire at the same time. Not good for a CEO and CFO to go out at the same time. So Angelo, I looked at him. I said, well, what is your time frame? And he told me his time frame. And I'm like, well, I don't want to stay past you. So I'm going to go. So I retired in 2019 and I was going on a different path. I had joined some corporate boards, stood up a family office, stood up my family foundation with my husband. We had a 650-acre farm in North Georgia, so I was going to raise corn and winter wheat and ride my horses. At the same time, UPS started succession planning work here for David Abney, who was the CEO. He was soon to retire. They built a persona of the characteristics and, and experiences they wanted the next CEO to possess. And they matched that persona up against the existing leadership team of UPS, which is a terrific leadership team. You've gotten to know them, but none of the personas matched. So the board said, well, we're going to go to the outside to find a CEO. And they came to me and said, we would like you to consider being CEO. And I'm like, me? Don't you think I'm too old? I was 62 at the time. And they're like, no, we don't think you're too old. I said, but I'm retired. They're like, we really want you to think about it. So I'm like, all right, let me think about it. Why would I leave retirement and go back to work? And there were really three reasons. First, I wasn't really convinced that the economic engine of UPS was producing the results that it could produce. And in fact, the stock price had been flat for about six years and I love to create value. And I thought, gosh, if I get inside the company, I think I can figure out what levers to turn in that economic engine to create value. And I like to do that. So that was one thing that was exciting to me. The second thing that was exciting to me was the opportunity to develop people. I love to develop people. And as you know, we have lots of people, over 500,000 people. So I'm like, well, that would be fun. I'd be able to really get in there and help people reach their highest potential, whatever it may be. UPS is a great company whose values were aligned with me. So I knew there wouldn't be any issues with that. And then finally, I saw what the board was going through having to go outside for the CEO. And I'm like, oh, that's hard. That's really hard. And it's actually very risky. So I'm like, I think I could invest in people and make sure when it's time for me to go, we have CEO succession candidates. I think I could do that. So then finally, I'm, so it's all, it's working for me, right? I'm, I'm thinking of, yes, this is something I could do. But I went to my husband because, you know, this isn't an individual decision. This is a family decision. So I went to my husband. We've been married for nearly 40 years. I said, well, Ramon, what do you think? He is fully retired. And he said to me, would you please go back to work? You are driving me crazy. You know that old saying, I married you for life, but not for lunch? Well, that's the truth. So I'm like, all right, he's going to be supportive. And and so I'm, I said, yes. And it all worked out. And I'm so, so honored and privileged to be leading this amazing company and really, really delighted that it all worked out. Well, Carolyn, wow, what a story and brings together so many elements of passion, personal passion, changes and forks in the road, but also the ability to really reflect when you are confronted with that fork in the road and to say to yourself, you know, is this something that meets my personal goals and ambitions and can I create impact? But let's pick up on the CEO-ship. It's been well profiled that when you became CEO of UPS, you were the first woman to take the helm in this company's long history. So, Carol, I was just curious, how did that make you feel? What do you think that signaled to both men and women in the business world? Well, 
On the day that I was announced, I will say, Angela, a lot of glass was shattered because I wasn't just the first woman CEO of UPS. I was the first outsider in our 114-year history. So I shattered glass here. I shattered glass in corporate America because, you know, we don't have many women CEOs in corporate America. I shattered glass in our industry because in the transportation and logistics industry, I was the first woman CEO. Wow. I was honored, I was humbled, and glad to have the opportunity to be a role model, not just for women, but for everyone. Because it's about being the best leader, not the best woman leader, but about being the best leader. And that's the responsibility I felt at the time. Well, Carol, I think being the leader, as you're saying, of an organization that's 500,000 people large, it's really a number that takes your breath away. And I think it's not just the size of this organization, but the fact that it's so global in nature, right? It operates on every corner of this earth. So touching on this, your love for leadership, your love for people and your love for people development. Talk to us a little bit more about what does it take to lead from the top? knowing that so many people are looking up to you? Gosh, I was named the incoming CEO in March of 2020. And my plan at that time was to travel the world to meet UPSers around the globe. Because as you point out, we deliver packages in 220 countries and territories around the globe. So that was my plan. I was going to get out. I was going to walk our facilities. I was going to shake a lot of hands. I was going to talk to a lot of customers. And I was going to be belly to belly with the UPSers. One week after I was announced, everything shut down. So I'm like, oh, well, that's not going to happen because we're all going into an isolation. So I'm like, all right, we've got unbelievable technology. We can have Zoom meetings. I can meet people. I'll just meet them in a different way. So I have done a lot of meetings virtually around the globe. And when things opened up a bit where I actually felt like I could go back out, I've been out in the field. I have been right along with drivers. I have walked our hubs. I have walked our sorting facilities. I actually delivered packages by myself during the peak holiday season so I could use the technology that we deploy so I could speak about it intelligently, not just listening to someone report out to me, but I actually use the technology. And I encourage people to send me emails or texts or posts with anything that's top of their mind. I read every single email I get and I read them. I read every single customer complaint I get to. I read everything that I get and then I respond. And it's created an environment of trust where people are like, well, we may not agree with something that she's doing, but at least I know I can talk to her about it. I can share my point of view and we'll have a a, a dialogue. It's been really pretty remarkable. When I came here, our likelihood to recommend, which is a, a measure of employee satisfaction, our likelihood to recommend score was 51%. That meant that 49% of our UPSers would not recommend us as a place to work. Fast forward to today, our likelihood to recommend is 61%. So we're moving the needle in the right way. The power of getting close to the people, of walking the facilities, of seeing the environment through their eyes and not giving them a list, but bringing back a list of things that you can do to improve their working environment or their experiences, it's powerful. It's a journey, but we are moving the needle in the right way. Well, I think the metrics, you know, speak for themselves. And it's only been, what, two short years. 
So um, it's really impressive. But Carol, I want to pick up on something you just talked about, which is the pandemic. As you say, that has been really front and center for the both of us, but particularly for UPS because of you've been instrumental in distributing the COVID-19 vaccines and emergency medicines all over the world. And now proudly, you delivered over a billion doses of vaccines in 2021. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about this particular endeavor. How did your company approach it? Did it require your team to rethink traditional ways of working? Well, Angela, first, let me just give a shout out to you and to the Pfizer team. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for everything you did for the world. The vaccines were transformative and you continue to drop new inventive medicines to continue to move the pandemic out of here, which is awesome. So thank you. And it's our honor to be your partner in this endeavor. We've been in the healthcare logistics business for over 10 years. It's a very specialized, complicated logistics network. Think of it as a network inside of a network. As it relates to the vaccines, we did some things to make sure that we are always delivering them on time. And to your point, we have delivered over a billion vaccines. So we got those vaccines to where they needed to go on time. Uh, We created special labels that go along with the vaccines and stood up control towers so we can track those vaccines throughout the network. We've used our existing network. And this is the power of the way we designed our global smart logistics network. We flew the vaccines from your manufacturing plant in the United States to our large airport in Louisville, Kentucky. We call it Worldport. Took the vaccines off that brown tail aircraft, processed the vaccines, packaged them up with the special labels, put them on feeder aircraft, that flew to their destination city. And when the vaccines arrived in the destination city, they were taken off of the feeder aircraft and put onto a brown package car, just like the package car that goes to your house for your Amazon orders. But that package car would then drive to the dosing facility, wherever it may be. And we did that every day in a 20 hour cycle. It's a really cool network. And we're just, again, so honored and privileged to be your partner. I uh, remember the day, I think it was December 13th, when um, the first pickup of the vaccines actually happened and uh, certainly still sends chills down my spine when I remember watching on TV and the news, the pickup truck, as you were saying, the uh, the taking off of all the airplanes, the unpackaging of all the crates. It's uh, really an extraordinary moment, one that I don't think neither one of us will forget anytime soon. We won't forget it. So um, let's go back to your people, the colleagues of, of UPS. What are some special things that you have felt have been important for those colleagues? And what is your vision for the role that UPS can play in society in the future? Yes. So first of all, I just have to shout out to our over 500,000 UPSers because they are essential workers and have done an amazing job over the past two years delivering essential goods to people in really a time of crisis. And to your point, they oftentimes are first responders. So they may be delivering a package to a home and find someone who is having a heart attack and call 911. Or they may see someone in distress on the road and stop and assist that person who's distressed on the road. And the stories go on and on because our people are really special people. To keep them motivated, we've talked a lot about essentialness and how they are critical to the world. But we also wanted to describe not just what we do, but why we do it. 
So about 15 months ago, we put together a cross-functional team to work on our purpose, our why. We knew our what, but we really wanted to describe our why, our reason for being. So the team did a masterful job of interviewing customers and UPSers and retirees and communities. And we iterated and iterated and landed on our purpose statement. And here it is, moving our world forward by delivering what matters. And you can unpack that in many ways, can't you? Delivering what matters is much more than a package. It's about an experience. It's about moving goods and doing good. And our team gets very motivated by the doing good part of what we do. We've got a unique workforce. 75% of our U.S. employees are governed by some sort of a collective bargaining agreement. So we work not just with our UPSers, but we work through Teamster leadership, actually, to make sure that we're creating an environment where people want to come to work and live our purpose every day. So why don't we come back to International Women's Day? And this year's theme is Break the Bias. It's about creating a world free from bias where differences are valued and celebrated rather than the opposite. So I think that this was going to resonate with so many working women and minorities out there. And as someone with such an established career, I'd love to get your perspective on this theme. Like, what does that mean to you, Carol? First of all, the theme's fantastic. I love it. And it means own it. And I'll bring you back to the 80s, actually, when I started off as a banker way back when. And I had done commercial banking for a while, and then I decided I wanted to leave banking and go work in a, a corporate environment. And so I was leaving the bank, and the CEO of the bank said, let me take you to lunch so we can talk about how we can retain women in banking. I'm like, well, I would love to talk to you about that. I would, I would love that. Thank you very much. So we went to lunch. Do you know where we went? We went to a men-only club. So I could never have been a member of that club. Rather than just letting that go, I owned the bias. He didn't even know it. He had no clue. I said, well, here's my first piece of advice for you. Drop the club membership and make sure you take women to lunch where they can join. And this is in the 80s, right? So I think as we want to break the bias, we got to own it. We got to confront it. It's really important that we understand our biases, both our conscious and unconscious biases. For a long time, Angela, I had an unconscious bias. I gravitated to people who were a lot like me, high energy, kind of take the room when you come in. I gravitated to those people. And people who were maybe lower energy, perhaps more introverted, thoughtful, they waited before they spoke. I kind of discounted those people. But as I went back through my hiring practices and how I interviewed and hired people, I'm like, why didn't I hire this person? And I realized because I was gravitating towards a style. And it wasn't until I partnered up with someone who had a style, more introverted, thoughtful, spoke when he did in a way that was so powerful that everyone would listen. When I powered up with him and we were like this dynamic duo that I realized, oh, I've got this bias and I've got to be aware of the bias and I've got to change. Because if you surround yourself with people who are different than you, the team is much stronger. So if we're going to beat that bias, we're going to have to first understand our own, work on our own, and then grab a hold of anything that we see and actually own it. 
and talk about it. Get comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. Just get comfortable having them. And I think if we do that, we can really change things. I I believe it in my heart. Valuable advice, um, such truthful advice, difficult thing to do, right? When you have to own things in a challenging situation. So um, thank you, Carol, for giving us the courage and really helping us to acknowledge that, in fact, it is the right thing to do when you're most uncomfortable. Maybe that's the time when you do need to speak up and that there is a place for that and a need for that wherever we are. So with that, let me bring this to a close. It has been such an incredible time that I've had with you, Carol, and I'm just uh, so pleased that so many are going to be able to listen to this and benefit from your many words of wisdom. But importantly, thank you for making time in your busy schedule to join me on the podcast today. I know firsthand, because I see you in action, what an inspiration you are. So I'm delighted that we're going to be able to share your insights with a broader audience. And gosh, today we had, I guess, so many different themes that emerged. Knowing yourself better, being aware of your own biases, bringing your authentic self to work, being open to folks in the road and opportunities that may appear. You never know where they may lead you. These are all important lessons that all of us as women, but also as professionals can learn. So thank you again, Carol. So great to have you with us today and wishing you continued success here at UPS. Well, Angela, thank you. It was my pleasure. And thanks for all you do for our great company.